0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to In Strange Company. On this week's episode, I sit down with my good friend, Emily Kluis. Emily is a photographer, an entrepreneur, a creative, a mother, a wife, an amazing friend, and just the kind of person who has a voice that needs to be heard. I'm excited to share this week's episode with you. So let's get to it. Welcome to in strange company. I'm your host Marcus strange. I believe we're a composite of the people with whom we surround ourselves. On this podcast, I sit down with some of the most interesting humans you could hope to meet and give you the opportunity to surround yourself with some amazing people. My guests and I share insights into creating authentic and purpose filled lives. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate the company. everybody. Welcome back to In Strange Company. I'm super excited for this episode. Today, I am here with my good friend, Emily Clueis, who I've been super excited to have on the podcast for a while now. Say hi, to Emily. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that we were able to do this. I, we've been trying to do this for a while. So thank you for making the time today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm really excited. So. Yeah.
0: You are... This is your first time on a podcast? Yes. Cool. You're yeah. going to do awesome. I feel like I've made it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That (laughs) makes me feel really good. Why don't you uh, just introduce us uh, to yourself? Tell the folks who you are, where you're from, that kind of stuff.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm Emily. My business is Emily Irene Photo or Emily Irene Photography. I've been um, a photographer for about four years um, and then really seriously for the last couple of years i live here in helena but uh my family and i are from texas um kind of the coast galveston area and then dallas a little bit too so a bit of all over but um yeah we're here in helena now and we really love living here and yeah
0: so texas to helena that's a big change what brought you guys up here
1: yeah um my husband fell in love with montana and then he brought me up here to visit and i fell in love with montana and as soon as we had the opportunity to come here, we we did. So um, the mountains, um, the snow, I'm still getting used to <laughs> a little bit. We um, all are. Yeah. I mean, there's not really a lot of snow right now. I wish if it's going to be this cold, it would at least snow. Right? But um, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's been good, though.
0: So circling back to you as a kid growing up, who was someone that was super influential in your life?
1: I think... Um, So it was just me, my sister and my mom. Uh, So my mom raised my sister and I as a single mother. So she was obviously really influential. I thought it was pretty amazing that she was able to do all the things that she did. Uh, She went through nursing school with both of us and became a nurse. Like with a three-year-old and a five-year-old. How crazy is that? Um, I can't so even imagine that I know, I know Superwoman. yeah for <laughs> sure, <laughs> so she was highly influential, and then we also grew up with my aunt uh and uncle on their property in Ennis, Texas, a little town, and my aunt owned a hair salon, and mm. um they had horses, and so uh my aunt and my uncle were really influential too because my aunt was a business owner. Um so I grew up in a salon um answering phones from like an early age and folding uh towels and trimming foil for people to get their highlights done and stuff like that. And uh yeah, so my aunt was a huge huge part of my life. She taught me a lot about how to be a businesswoman, how to carry yourself, um so she was a big part of my life too.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that support system, especially growing up is so crucial. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, cause you have a really cool community and we'll talk about the community mm-hmm. here in Helena, but how do you, um, build that support system and how do you, you know, continue to nourish that support system that you have? Cause it seems like it's a huge part of your life.
1: Yeah. So do you mean my past support system or the support system now?
0: Either. I mean, both perspectives would be interesting to hear about
1: so i think a big thing with nourishing a support system would just be you know um showing up as much as you possibly can for the people who are showing up for you um whatever that looks like for you so making sure that you're touching base with the people who are supporting you um showing your gratitude to them whenever they do uh, little things like to me i one of my big things that i've been doing lately is um making sure I'm having a couple coffee dates a week with my friends, cool. just checking in. I like to do it first thing in the morning, so we have something to look forward to first thing in the morning. And um, just get to kind of spend time before the day starts with someone you love and kind of like see what's going on in each other's lives. So that's been... Uh, so that's one way that I kind of like check in with my support system, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and... I mean, we still have our support system kind of back in Texas, my family and everything. I don't have my aunt with me anyway, anymore. She passed away, um, March of 2017. So that was really, uh, challenging, but we, my mom and my sister are still like a big part of my life and just making sure that we're constantly like calling each other. And when we do go to visit, we're just really plugging into each other and doing a lot of stuff together. So, yeah. Cool. Does that answer your question? Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Well, I like a point that you made is that it doesn't need to be super complicated. Sometimes we think that with relationships, we need to do these big grandiose gestures and it needs to be, you know, constant every day. But it it really is just as simple as showing up and just being there. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes, like you said, it's just that coffee where you just sit down and you listen without any kind of agenda and Mm -hmm. that nourishes that support system in a really profound way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's... I, I think it's like crucial. I mean, personally to me, it's crucial for my, um, emotional being to be, um, just spending quality time with the people who inspire me, encourage me who I, f- and it's so fulfilling to me to be able to inspire and cheer on the people that I'm spending time with too. So, um, I think that it's just, like it's soul food. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. You know, and you are an inspiring person because you're a wife, a mother, a small business owner. Thank and you. watching you juggle like all these different roles, <laughs> especially in the photography world. I mean, it's it's so competitive these days because the technology is more accessible and mm-hmm. the education is more accessible. You must do something to nourish yourself. So what are some of those non-negotiables in your life that you whether it's weekly or daily that you do to make sure that you're staying um, as amazing as you are.
1: Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> 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 um, um, I, I've i had to put a lot of thought into this lately. Um, I just went full-time photography from a regular eight to five um, back in August. And there's uh, a lot of freedom and excitement that comes with that, but there's many challenges that come with it, especially being knowing the kind of person that I am, knowing how imper- important um, personal connection is and like mm-hmm. spending time with people is, I it's very easy for me to um, get into a rut if I'm not making sure that I'm doing those things. So um, there, there's a lot of balance to be had with working for yourself, especially working from home. Yeah, so I would say that my non-negotiable and i'm finding this more and more is getting out of the house first thing in the morning mm-hmm. and like going somewhere where um there's people yeah <laughs> um you know it's funny because my husband's kind of the opposite of me if he needs to recharge or like his non-negotiable would be like getting out in the middle of nowhere where there's nobody around and there's quiet mm-hmm. um and that's recharging to him um whereas i'm on the opposite end of the spectrum where i can be in a room full of people and just kind of people watch Um, you know, like I love going to the small coffee shops or something like that. And that's really recharging to me. So that's kind of become a non-negotiable is just like making sure I'm getting out of the house first thing in the morning. Right. Um, that's kind of how I stay fresh. Um, another one that has been huge is just making sure that I am making those, making time for friends, Mm. um, and those coffee dates and Um, or grabbing a beer in the evening or something like that. Just anything where I can just sit down and kind of have some one-on-one time with people that I want to support and people who support me and just that I can laugh with.
0: I like that you have identified pretty clearly in your life that you get your energy from people. And Mm -hmm. like, that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to identify. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, for a long time, I thought I was an introvert Mm -hmm. and it, it wasn't that I was an introvert. It's just that I don't get my energy from people. I love people and I love being around them, Mm -hmm. but that's not where my energy comes from. So I can be in a room full of people and that's not going to dictate whether or not I'm, I'm feeling energized and fulfilled by that. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to be in that room. I want to be around those people. And once I identified that, I was like, Oh, cool. Like this feeling that I have is not me not wanting to be here. Mm -hmm. It's just not where I get my energy from and and that was a pretty big turning point in my life was identifying that how did you kind of come to that connection that you got your energy from being around people
1: you know there's people that you're gonna spend time with that you walk away feeling like fooler um and then there's some sometimes there's just people that you don't just jive with as well and i think like giving yourself permission i mean try to love everyone and show up for everyone when you can Mm -hmm. um but really carving out space intentionally yeah. for the people who you feel like um, lift you up Yeah. and um, that you feel like you guys are on the same page and um, you connect spiritually, um, intellectually, like um, just people, uh, you know, inspirationally, people who you see doing things that... Um, you're inspired by, you know, just like making sure you're carving out time and space specifically for those people.
0: Yeah. Brene Brown, another Texas gal, yeah. has, uh, <laughs> has her uh, five by nine rule. Mm-hmm. And that's where she did this exercise where she took a five by nine card and wrote down, a bunch of people's names who were super important in her life and who she wanted to spend her time with. Mm -hmm. And this, I don't know if this would work for me, but for her, it worked. She said, if you aren't on that five by nine card, then you don't get the best of me. Essentially. Like Mm -hmm. these are the people that are most important in my life. Like these are the people that I'm choosing to prioritize and everybody else I'm going to be kind to. I'm going to love and support where I can, but you these people on the card get my, my best and everyone else is secondary. Yeah. And (laughs) that, that is pretty hardcore. (laughs) I don't know if I'm quite ready for that step yet, Mm -hmm. but I think it it ties into what you're saying is that you really have to prioritize who you're giving your energy to and Mm -hmm. who you're taking your energy from.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially whenever you are a business owner and a mom and a wife and you know, um, there's, I mean, obviously those things, my family, my direct family comes first mm-hmm. always. Um, and then my business and sometimes that's, uh, juggling in itself, yeah. right? Like you you have to kind of check yourself when you're owning your own business and be like, "Whoa, am I sacrificing family time for business? And is that necessary? And that's its own, you know, yeah, juggling sure. race in itself. But, um, just making sure like being realistic with yourself, like, I only have so many extra (laughs) hours in the day. So um, I'm just making sure that you are prioritizing the people who, and I don't want to just say like the people who like have something to give you because that's not what it is. It's, it's, uh, relationships that feel like you get something out of it just by being a part of it. Right. You know what I mean? I do. So, yeah.
0: Yeah you know there there's <laughs> there's how many billion people there are, you know, almost 10 billion people now mm-hmm. and if you if you try to give your energy and your time and your talents to everybody that you come in contact with it's that analogy of like you can't pour from an empty cup like mm-hmm. you got to make sure your cup is full and if you're not you know if you're not thoughtful and intentional about who you give that energy to you will just be sucked dry and yeah. we don't want that. Like there's, yeah. there's plenty of people in this world where we can all support the people in our communities and our circles. Um, so yeah, I think just that intention is really important yeah. in, in your relationships. I uh, was going to, sorry, yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, I was just going to say that, um, non-negotiable for me also has been peeling back the layers of my work mm. to, um, I mean photography can be such a wide scope. So getting to that place where when people are saying what what kind of photography do you do? I was realizing you know that I was kind of in a place where I was like, I don't know. I've been doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um and kind of making time, setting an intention for clarity, kind of like peeling back my work and being like, okay. W- there's your. There's always going to be your bread and butter work. Mm-hmm. There's going to be the work that is consistent, and that's great. And in a perfect world, I think that the work you love to do would be that. Right. Um, but especially when you're starting out, there's things that you're going to do that are going. You're going to love less. Yeah. Um. But getting clarity on the work that fulfills you the most—that you walk away. For me, I know what that looks like because um, I'll go to a shoot. I'll be excited the whole time I'm there. And then as soon as I get in my car, I want to race home and edit those photos. Mm. And when I have that feeling, I know that that's work that matters to me. When I have the feeling that I'm like, I can't wait to share these photos, um, you know, or when I'm editing them and I'm sending them to like my mom or my husband, and I'm like, look at look at this cool thing that I did. <laughs> then I know that that's work that I'm excited about. And that's becoming more of a non-negotiable to me is making sure that I'm asking for that work um within the community. Um, but to get a little spiritual too, like asking God or the universe for that work too, you know, just putting it out there like this feels good, like I want to do this. And that's becoming more and more of a non negotiable, if you will. So Yeah yeah.
0: So what role has that spirituality played in your life as you've been developing as a person and as a business owner?
1: I guess as I've grown in my faith and my spirituality I know the type of work that I want to do and the way I want to make people feel. And I know how I want to show up for people because of my faith life. Mm. So I know that I want my work to have integrity. I know that I want my interactions within my business to have integrity. Um, I know that I want to be able to be honest with myself and in photography, that feels sometimes like sharing things that are a little scary. <laughs> oh yeah. For <laughs> or taking sure. photos of things that, um, I think maybe isn't for the general public or isn't, or isn't for everyone. Sure. Um, but just being like, honest and honoring the clients that have been brought to me, being respectful of them. I think that spirituality influences me in that way. Um, And then also the trust that comes with starting your own business. Yeah. Um, whenever I decided to go full time, I had enough faith to know that like God had my back Mm. and I knew that, um, if I felt called in my heart to do this work, which I did and, um, I felt very strongly that he had placed people in my life to support me in this work which I do and I did. Um that he wouldn't let my bills not be paid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he was going to inspire me or encourage me or like sh- show me the cr- the right people that would continue to like give me work and it's worked so far. I mean, like, are you're killing it? I mean, my bills are paid. So (laughs) that's good. Right? Like, um, so just having that faith to make the leap, um, and trusting that calling a little bit. So yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. Cool. I think one of the most profound things about what you said is the, the comfort that you took and knowing that you couldn't fail. And I think whether that comes from a belief in a higher power, or that comes from a belief in yourself or just the the knowledge that there's no way to fail in this life. Everything is just feedback for the next attempt. So whether you start a business and you fail at that business and then you say, "Okay, what did I learn from that failure?" and you take that and you put that into the next business, um wherever that confidence comes from, whether it's any of those three things, that is that is profound and that is one of the things that it takes people so long to figure out is that whether it's because god has your back or you're just a badass or mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you you're just going to take that failure and you're going to you know put it into the next venture that you have like there is no way to fail mm-hmm. in this life because it's all just information and i think that's so cool that you took that leap mm-hmm. that you did it based on faith and it's working out. I mean, it's, it's amazing to watch. Um, I remember, I don't even know how long ago it was when Anna told me that, Oh, we're bringing on this new photographer. She's super awesome. Like she's very talented. And I started seeing your work and even in that short amount of time watching the growth that you've had, not only in your abilities, but in your business, it's cool. And you're a testament to taking the leap and not being scared. Maybe you were scared, but not letting that, that fear hold you back.
1: Yeah. No, I was definitely scared. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Like it, it's so funny to me kind of thinking about it kind of from a birds-eye view because, you know, whenever you're I don't I don't think that I, I could have ever taken the leap, you know, if like when I just moved here, I tried to like start my photography business, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a network. I didn't have, uh, you know, people supporting and like as an artist, you have to have people know who you are. Right. I mean, that's, that's how it works. Yep. Um, so it was a long time of working an eight to five and saying yes to every job that came my way, even if I had not the time to do it. And staying up till 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. and sacrificing weekends and um like I cried a lot. <laughs> 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 I was exhausted. I lived yeah. on coffee. Um but you have to do that work first. Yeah. I think um so I mean taking the leap, yes, but you have to bust ass first. Like right. you really do. And I mean, that's, that was a huge part of it was like getting to a point where it's like, okay, I've stayed up till like 2 and 3 a.m. editing oh these gosh. jobs like three times this week for the past three weeks. Trying like, to make
0: weirdos' faces look symmetrical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Emily had to make my face look symmetrical for a photo shoot. And that is that is a testament to her abilities <laughs> as a photographer, if nothing else is. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, it's really easy when you just mirror the same side of the face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's no saving his face. <laughs> I'm just going to do this. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, before taking the leaf, it was just a lot of hard work. And then finally getting to the point where I was like, it is a leap, but it w- it was a leap, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So as I'm listening to you talk, you've You've done what so many other people in your industry want to do. What is something you see people messing up on when they're trying to make that leap from just um side hustle photographer to full time photographer? What's a common mistake you see?
1: Um let's see, probably the same mistakes that I made. Um, I mean I didn't I don't think I charged anybody for the first two years that I was working. And I mean, and I definitely think that there's a lot to say for, um, you know, whenever you first grab your camera and you're taking shots of your friends, like in their backyard, like, no, maybe you shouldn't be charging for that work. But whenever you start getting word of mouth traction, are you going to charge what a, you know, five year, 10 year photographer is charging? No, but like you've got... (laughs) To avoid burnout, you have to make some money off of your work. And I think that like you do have to pay your dues for a while. Like you're going to yeah. do some free work. You're going to be underpaid. you're And and you're going to work more hours doing the same work that the dude that's been doing it for five years is going to do it. um, And you're going to make a lot less because you don't know what the hell you're doing yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are a lot of times in there... That I felt like it was just a hobby mm. and it w- couldn't ever be anything. So I would say that that's one. Um, I think once you get some experience under your belt, don't be afraid to charge. You don't have to charge like five, $600 for a photo shoot, but like give yourself some credit um, so you don't get burnout because you are offering a valuable service. And yeah. even if it's not top notch yet, like you're still offering a valuable service. I I would say that photographers starting off um, have a very important role to play. Like where I think I was able to be a photographer p- for people who otherwise would not have been able to afford mm. a family photographer because when I was starting out, I was able to charge those prices. That's cool. So there is a place in the market for you um, is what I would say and Eventually, you'll be able to give yourself a race, but like you got to pay your dues, you got to do the work. Um, but don't do it for free forever. Um, when you start getting a little bit of resentment when you're like editing or you know, and you're just kind of grumbling through it, <laughs> that that might be a sign you might need to look at like m- maybe it's time for me to start making some money or maybe I'm not charging enough. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing, and then a huge thing that. I struggled with for a long time and I still struggle with is, um, what's that guy's name? I think it's Ira Glass. Oh yeah. Talks about the gap. I think, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: Vaguely. Why don't you explain it?
1: Um, let's see if I can look it up real quick. I'm not even going to look it up. I'm just going to explain it to the best of my ability. Okay. Um, so essentially when you start doing any kind of artwork, the idea is, that it it sucks because you're just starting. <laughs> so right. um and it maybe it totally, it doesn't suck, but like you're you're doing the work and you're you're doing it because you feel inspired to do it and you're looking at people who have been doing it a long time. So in a pho- photography perspective, I was in some of these groups with like the best photographers of the community. And I'm looking at their work and I'm like, holy crap, like that's beautiful. It's so moving the colors, the light, like how do they do that? (laughs) And they do it because it's a skill that they've developed over time. And then I'm taking photos with like my first camera um, and I'm getting them on my computer and I'm just mad because I'm like, I know how I wanted this to look in my head. I know how the greats look. And I don't know how to get it there. And there's a gap between how your work looks and how you want it to work in your head. And you haven't yet developed the skills in between to get it from point A to point B. And that's the gap. And sometimes it makes you feel like you're not good at what you're doing <laughs> and you just have to keep at it. Yeah. So I guess that would be my second piece of advice is like, don't give up mm. and just keep working. And once you work hard long enough, I mean there's always going to be a prodigy out there who like just like picks up a camera and they're like phenomenal and that's yeah. great. Um but that's not the majority of us. And yeah, you just have to work really hard for a long time to develop your your craft and that's important. So don't give up. Yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I can relate to so much of what you just said and cuz I am a extremely amateur photographer. And everything that you just talked about are thoughts and feelings and emotions that I've had where I'm just like, why does this not look like a Jimmy chin photo? (laughs) Well, Marcus, maybe it's because you take like a hundred photos a week and he's taking thousands, if not tens of thousands of photos a week and he's honing his craft. And yeah, I think there is, I just was looking at the Ira Ira glass quote that you're talking about and It's very true. Like it's, it's a spot on observation. And then the other thing that really resonated with me that you said was this idea of making sure that once you are a creative who is offering a service that you are charging for what you do. And that was one of the reasons why I started offering production services uh, for podcasters, because I noticed that I was giving away all this free information. I started getting kind of bitter Mm -hmm. about it. And as soon as that happened, I I had the realization that okay, I need to start charging for this. Mm-hmm. And originally, I set a price, <laughs> and I set that price, and I sat with it for a little bit, and then I came back and I was like, oh hell no, <laughs> like I I know how much work is going to go into mm-hmm. doing what I'm offering, and at this price, I will burn out, and I will be miserable, and I will still be bitter, and I'll be no better off. I might as well not charge anything than charge this, and I then took it up to a price that I sat with for a little bit longer. And I was like, nah, this is too much. Like, it'd be cool, but I would feel uncomfortable charging this. Mm-hmm. And finally it's like little uh, Goldilocks and three little bears It was just right. Like I found that price point mm-hmm. where I felt like I was still being fair to the people that I'm working with, but I also was happy about the amount that I was charging. And I felt like my talents and my services were being honored. And that's just, I think that's just kind of the exercise you have to go through. You're going to undercharge. You're going to overcharge. And eventually you'll find that sweet spot as a creative where you feel that your, your time and your energy is being valued. And I think my piece of advice is the same as yours. Don't give up. Just keep, keep showing up, keep plugging away. And if it's something that you're truly passionate about, eventually you'll get it figured out.
1: Yeah. And I think too, that, um, you said kind of like working with your price and like finding that sweet spot. It's hard. Yeah. I have not yet spoken to a creative who doesn't struggle with this. Yeah. Um I haven't spoken to one. <laughs> <laughs> um because when you love what you're doing for some reason there's a stigma attached to charging money for it yeah. and you feel guilty almost. You do. Right. Um And as creatives and speaking to myself totally here, um, we have to stop that because what we have to offer is valuable (laughs) and um, people need our services and they get value out of it. It's not just that like what we do in itself isn't value. It's the fact that when we're offering it to other people, especially like photographers, podcasts to use our platform or art to benefit their business they're receiving value out of it um and and we deserve to make a living <laughs> like we deserve to make above minimum wage especially when you've been doing this for 5 or 10 years you know down the line um you know there's a great book called real artists don't starve mm. um it's real it's a it's a really good book um it's it's a short listen if you listen to it on audiobook and they talk about the myths of artists, you know, starving artists and all that stuff versus um, the truths. And one of the big ones is like charging for your work essentially. <laughs> and yeah. um, so I would recommend anybody who's a creative, who's thinking about making the leap or wants to make the leap one day, listen to that book. Cause I listened to it right before I made the leap and I got a lot of clarity out of it.
0: Yeah. Well, you're helping break the mold. I think a lot of that pushback And maybe the self doubt comes from the society that we live in who says that if you're not working a nine to five for a company, then, you know, you're just some flighty millennial who's has like no drive or purpose in life. And it's, it's the complete opposite. If anything, as a creative, you're busting your butt, you've got three or four jobs plus a family, plus all these other things. You're trying to eat right and stay in shape and, you know, stay centered and balanced and like, if (laughs) you're about to explode with all the different things that you're trying to juggle.
1: And when you're running a business, it's not like you're just like, I'm not just a photographer. Like I've been building my website. Like I have to do invoicing. Like who, like, I don't know how to do taxes, but I have (laughs) to do that shit. Like I don't have a choice. So it's like, there's so many hats that you have to wear. So I totally like, I don't know. I don't know who got the idea that like creatives are like, if you don't work a nine to five, like, you know there's any i i just don't understand how there's a bad stigma attached to that by any means because yeah like yeah and i totally like dispel the myth that a nine to five job is like stable because like if you work for a big employer like there's a good chance that like i mean you you could get fired tomorrow yeah you know like there's it's perceived stability, but like, what is it really? You right. know? So, um, so yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, I watched, I watched my dad, um, who was an incredibly hard worker, worked two or three jobs. And because of the economy at the time, he like kept having layoffs and different things happened that were completely outside of his control. But, you know, if you listen to the world, he should have been fine. Cause he was working for these big companies and, you know, they were stable and solid and, um, that just really, yeah, that got me starting on this path of examining the creative life because I realized that it wasn't necessarily more stable. And I realized that independent businesses or creatives or artists, you are the boss. Like you, yes, you have the struggles of being everything in the business, but you also get to dictate, you know, the effort that you put in, you get to dictate at all. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a true juggling act and it's hard and it's not easy. And like you said, you have those two, three o'clock in the morning kind of days, but would you rather have that or would you rather follow someone else's lead? And I think that's the question you need to ask yourself. Like, do you want to like truly be 100% your own boss or are you comfortable letting someone else takes the reins? And obviously you've made the jump and are doing it successfully.
1: Yeah. I think like one thing kind of stuck out to me, like I remember hearing as a child, um, do something, you know, do something stable, do something solid. Like, because um, in the creative world, it's feast or famine. Right. Um, But what the people who are speaking that over me were failing to tell me was like, the real world is feast or famine anyways. Like yeah. if you've been living this life for 20 or 30 something years, you know, that like, so, I mean, like, are you going to do it working for somebody else, which if you want to, that's fine. In some ways I I think it's easier. Um, But don't let that make you be fearful of like taking the jump because you know, (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think there's a difference in the challenges for men versus women making the leap?
1: Optimistically, I would like to say no. Okay. Um, And I think that I'm very, you know, I mean, I'm almost afraid to use this word, but I I think I'm very privileged to be able to say no. Mm. Um, I have not faced that opposition. Do I think in general that it may or may not be harder for men or women? Um, I, I, I don't have the experience to answer that question. I haven't had that experience, but I do not doubt that there are other women out there who have had the experience where they couldn't for one reason or another, or it was harder for them for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What advice would you give to them?
1: Um, you know, it's really hard for me to say because I'm I'm very privileged in the fact that like I have a husband who's really supportive of what I do mm. and he supported me in taking that leap um, however I think if I didn't have that support system like if I was a single mom or um, you know like a sole breadwinner I don't know that I would have felt as comfortable making the leap. It would have been much harder because um, there would have been more of an income gap to make up the difference right. to catch the fall. So yeah. I feel like I don't have the life experience to answer that question in a holistic way. Sure. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, we can only speak to our own experiences and mm-hmm. I'm not a woman. I'm, I'm still not doing this full time. I have a nine to five job and I do this on the side. Mm-hmm. One of the things I I would say to anyone that wants to make that leap and especially Um, for, you know, a female entrepreneur who's feeling that opposition, there's a community out there for you. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that's been really apparent just coming here to the sidecar where we're we're recording this is that there's a community of creatives out there who will support you. Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling that support, look for it because it's there. It might be a little hard to find. It might not be as obvious as, you know, walking in Uh, you know, to a regular nine to five job and getting the support from your employer there, but you can find your community and they will help you and they'll help you figure out all the questions and they'll be there to support you as you make the transition. So I would just say that if you are really passionate about something and you're getting opposition, find that support system first because it will be that much easier if you have people around you to support you during that process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to speak on the community aspect of that. Yeah, um, do it. Yeah. So, w- I mean, I've been totally blown away by the support within the creative community. Um, I came to Helena about a year and a half ago now. And I had a neighbor that had read an ad on Facebook for contributing photographers for us a small startup magazine, the local Helena. And um, I had never tried for anything like this. I didn't know whether or not they would respond, but I emailed them. It was like, hey, I'm a new photographer in town. Like I'd like to come talk. And that was kind of my break into the community. Um, So I think I would say, if you're looking for a creative community, just keep your eye out for opportunities. because literally the difference between me sending that email or not sending that email might have been the difference between me finding my break into the creative community. So um, that's kind of was a foot in the door to the creative community. I got to um, meet with the lead photographer at the time, Jason O'Neill, and he you know, le- uh, liked my work. He let me shoot for the local or uh, invited me onto the team to shoot for the local. And I had the opportunity to do that. And within doing that, I got to meet with local business owners. I got to um, meet with writers and it was just kind of my foot in the door, but genuinely without photographers like, um, you know, like Jason sharing his equipment with me to supplement some of the things that I couldn't, I, I couldn't afford yet. Like I'm just starting out. (laughs) Um, you know, writers collaborating with me, like some of the graphic designers and, um, people on the team from the local just, um, you know, collaborating, encouraging me, like seeing other females in the creative space in Helena successfully doing their work there were a couple of us that like kind of broke out of our full-time jobs around the same time yeah. I mean you know like I think Anna had like left yeah. her full-time job six months before me and then I think like Allie like followed her right after that and then I was kind of right behind them yeah. um and I mean there's a quote that talks something about like we stand on the shoulders of the giants who came before us and That's I Like, I feel that's so heavy in the creative community here in Helena. Um, I couldn't do any of the work that I'm doing now without the support um, from this community. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's very cool. Yeah.
0: What do you think one of your uh, greatest weaknesses is?
1: Oh, man. How much... Stress? could I sell <laughs> save myself if I just came home from a job took my memory card out of my computer directly <laughs> transferred it onto the hard drive and then like got to work editing because I would say that literally is my greatest weakness within my business yeah yeah um, procrastination I don't know I probably shouldn't like put that out there but like there it is <laughs>
0: Hey, you know what (laughs) vulnerability and transparency is such an underrated quality. And that's why I asked that question is because I like, I like talking to people about what their weaknesses are because I think it really reveals, um, how powerful you are to be able to say like, yeah, like here I am, I'm making a go as a professional photographer Mm -hmm. and sometimes I procrastinate. Like, I mean that, that humanizes you and, and also makes it so like um, you know, somebody in Iowa who wants to break out and become a photographer is like, oh, thank goodness. Like I can do it. It's normal. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. It is so normal. And I hate to like contribute to the creative stereotype (laughs) too, because I just like, I don't want to be that because there's a stereotype about that. But here we are. I mean,
0: Well, I mean, if we want to talk about (laughs) procrastination, let's look at government. I mean, the amount of procrastination (laughs) that goes on behind the walls of government, I think it's okay. I think we all procrastinate a little bit. Uh, So follow-up question to that. What's your superpower?
1: Ooh. I feel like sad that I don't know this answer right off the bat, kind of. I think.
0: And while you're thinking about that, the reason I like asking this question is because it's really easy for us to say, oh yeah, I'm not good at this. Here's my weakness. But how often do we get to toot our, ho- our own horn and say, yeah, like I'm I'm amazing at this and this was what makes me cool. So this is your moment. Okay. Tell us what makes you awesome.
1: Um, I think I'm really good about making sure that I'm like, oh, shoot, dang it. I'm like so mad at myself for not being able to answer this question quickly. Um, okay. I'm going to go home and work on this. I'm going to write a list of superpowers. Yes. Like, oh I my gosh. It. Okay. This That makes me so happy. <laughs> um, you've challenged me for sure. Um, I let's see. Do
0: you want me to help you out?
1: No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that my superpower is definitely like being able to like take my camera and being a fly on the wall a little bit. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm still figuring out quite how to do it. And I think this is why I'm kind of afraid to say it's my superpower, but I think it's my superpower in training maybe even. Um, But just being able to like capture a story is the craziest thing because there's work that I do that's pretty cut and dry, like real estate photography, you know? Um, but then there's work that I do like photographing a birth of Mm. a human into this world and being able to kind of step back and be a fly on the wall and fill the room, know when it's okay to move, know when it's okay to talk. And, um, hopefully not feel like intruding on that moment, but just being a part of it. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I do that really well and I can do that really well. Um, and I, I love doing that. So yeah, <laughs>
0: I like it. I would add to that because I've been the subject of a couple of your photo shoots that you are amazing at making people feel comfortable and seen having your photo taken for most people is incredibly uncomfortable. I am incredibly, I feel incredibly awkward when I get my photo taken. Oh, you hit it really well. <laughs> I, well, in turn, I'm like, oh my gosh, you look like a moron. Don't make that face. Oh my like, gosh, so. I hate
1: hearing that. And, and I'm sorry to jump in there. but No, you're good, jump in. That is, I would say one of the most heartbreaking parts of being a photographer. Mm. Because when my lens goes in front of my face, I hear people's insecurities rattled off and it breaks my heart because they're picking themselves apart about things that I would have never seen before. And I mean, we all do this. Um, and it's a great example, like what's your weakness versus your superpower, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, um, but I, it's, it's kind of a gift to me that like I'm in this place where I get to hear people's insecurities yeah. Um and I don't take that lightly. Um but I'm still trying to figure out what to do with that yeah. because I mean that's the first thing I hear when I go to take someone's photo is how, how they don't like their nose or their eyes are too far apart or like they have a goofy smile and um I just hate hearing that um my face
0: isn't symmetrical my face is, nobody's <laughs> face is symmetrical there's studies on this um uh,
1: anyways okay so sorry go ahead and say what you were saying I didn't mean to interrupt well,
0: you well no you're totally fine that's what this podcast is all about we we just have a conversation and sometimes we talk over each other so it's all good um so I'm actually going to pivot and ask you a question based on something you're just talking about. It sounds like you give your subjects a lot of grace. So how do you then turn around and give yourself that same grace to maybe not be as perfect as you wish you were?
1: Yeah. That's a great question. Um I have been taught many lessons in grace, especially in this past year. Yeah. And um I haven't always been graceful with myself and I'm still not um sometimes there are certain times of the month or times of the year that it you know just you're harder on yourself than you should be but I think I think just giving yourself permission to be human is huge and then I talk about it (laughs) like don't be afraid to talk about it because I think it's total bullshit that we can post like all these great things that are happening in our life. But when we're struggling, we're supposed to stay silent Mm, and I'm fighting against that. And, you know, um, I, I battle with anxiety and depression and I have found one of the, like the, I swear it's like the biggest end of me of depression or like self doubt or self hatred is just like voicing it mm-hmm. and giving it a name and throwing it out there. And you will be, I think what aids in my own grace and myself is just constantly being surprised about how graceful people are, whatever you're real with them, yeah. because they're like, Oh shit, like me too. And thank you. Because now I have permission to be open with you in that way. Um, so if you ever talk to me and I'm having a bad day and you ask me how my day's going, like, I'm going to tell you, like, I'm having a shitty day. Like it's been a bad morning. Um, but the funny thing, since I've started doing that, I've had friends tell me the same thing and I've had friends that I've known are having shitty days that told me they were having a good day now will tell me that they're having a bad morning. And yeah. I think like when you're honest, and graceful with yourself and like okay with all of those things you give other permission to be okay with it too. Yeah. And the world needs that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Inauthenticity is a cancer that eats at you. And I mean, you you got to you got to respect people's space a little bit like mm-hmm. you don't want to just dump Totally. super personal or things that would make them uncomfortable. But Mm -hmm. I I am me, myself, Marcus, I am so tired of these surface level conversations Mm -hmm. where it's like, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It's like, no, like, let's talk about the shit. Like, let's get in Mm -hmm. and like, let's actually talk. And I don't just want to have conversations about the weather or about the news. Like, I want to talk about real hard, joyful, meaningful things. And I want to be around people that do that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something I would add to that last Mm -hmm. thing is like be graceful for yourself with yourself yes um, be honest but I think what you said about like not dumping on people Mm -hmm. is great too because you've got to kind of watch yourself if you're getting into a space I feel like and this might veer into a conversation around like mental health but like if you're stepping into a space where you feel like you're constantly dumping that might be something to look at too. Yeah. Because um yeah, it's a balance. Like give it, give yourself the permission, yes, but um like just check in with yourself too yeah. and make sure that it's you know, yeah. So.
0: I love it. Um along this line, you wrote a really awesome blog post recently. Oh, do you, you. you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I would love to talk about that. Well, cool. <laughs> tell us what it was called. Um, It's called What Loss Has Taught Me About Photography.
0: I love it. That is an amazing thank title. Thank you. What was it about?
1: Um, so it was, I, I mean, I would like to preface it by saying like, I don't think of myself as a writer. Um, It was just something that fell out of me.
0: Well, girl, you need to start thinking about yourself as a writer because <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> um, thank you.
1: It, it felt really good to write. Um, I it, it's essentially about kind of being an outsider. I I was invited recently to photograph a memorial of um, a, r- a really sweet gentleman who um, passed away way too soon, and I got to be kind of a fly on the wall if you will in this grief and I talk a little bit about how um awkward it felt for me to put my camera in front of my face and take pictures of people who were grieving Mm -hmm. um but it was what I had been asked to do and I was going to do it to the best of my ability and I tried to do that um but in the past couple of years, I've lost two people really close to me, um, my grandfather and my aunt, who I talked about at the beginning of the podcast. And um, both times, you know, I had to kind of shift through or sift through with my family images of their life and, you know, you lay them all out. And, um, in my grandfather's case, like in front of a funeral director and you're just kind of like, okay, I, I, I think this is who is in this one. And I, I, I think this was like aunt so-and-so. And, and, Mm. um, I think this one came before this one. And I mean, in in my case, like with my grandfather specifically, like these were photo albums my grandmother had put together who was gone before I was even born. And, um, I think we looked through them with him one time. Mm. And we lived with him for 10 years Wow! and he lived to be a hundred. So we had a lot of time to to sift through these and like hear his stories. And, um, we always thought like that we would, and he was like in his nineties, like we knew that every day is a gift and we, we didn't do it. Um, and then my aunt's case, I mean, she had cancer. Like we knew we were going to lose her and, um, I knew those photos were there and I never went through them with her. And I think I would even add to that. I didn't take pictures of them in their last years. And I was a photographer at that time and they, my aunt especially felt very self-conscious about having her photo taken, but our relationship the last year of her life, knowing she was going to be gone, um, being given the gift of like, being able to show up for her and take care of her. I mean, I wish I had photos, you know, I wish that I had like images to remind myself of that, um, that time because it's so precious to me. Um, so (laughs) essentially, I guess all that to say, like take the damn pictures is, (laughs) is, um, what I ended up just talking about in that blog post was like, just, Get out your phone. You don't have to hire a professional photographer. Like, get out your freaking phone. You have a camera in your pocket. Take pictures of your loved ones. And then I had another photographer friend add to that. Print them. Mm. Like, print those photos out. um, Because... You can look at photos like on a hard drive and sit around a computer, but like there's something so magical about sitting around a table with some coffee, like in the living room and like sifting through pictures with your hands. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's literally nothing like it and so don't just take the pictures print the pictures and um jenny Emery of wandering albatross photography had like kind of commented and talked about how she has you know like how just i i don't want to tell her story but like she had just talked about how important printing those images was through her experience with loss and um yeah so taking the pictures printing the pictures all of those things. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Thank you.
0: Well, I will definitely link to that so folks can go read the whole thing. It is a phenomenal read. Thank so everybody you. listening should definitely go check it out. Are you ready for some off the wall questions? Yes. That have nothing to do with anything that we just talked about? Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, don't think about your answer. Just like <laughs> speak from the heart and answer quickly. All right. You ready? Yes. Wine or beer? Wine. If I gave you $10 million right now, what would you do?
1: I would pay off debt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, first and foremost, and then I think I would buy a house and then I think I would go to freaking Cancun for like a year. I don't know.
0: (laughs) How do you say this word?
1: caramel
0: I don't know if we're gonna be friends anymore (laughs) 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 all right what is your most used emoji I bust out the phone I
1: don't know but I but I'm gonna guess before I look I think that it's the laughy cryy face ones because you're (laughs) laughing so hard that you're crying Uh um no it's Okay, that's my second most used one. My most frequently used one is the little heart.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) That's a good one. And if
1: you know me, I send emojis a lot and I send a lot of hearts. Okay,
0: (laughs) so I read a study where they found that people who communicate via emojis and uh, GIFs and memes are more emotionally intelligent than people who don't. So, yes. (laughs) Uh, What is something new you want to try?
1: Hmm... I really want to, like, get into, like, I think it'd be so fun to longboard. Oh, yeah. I'm terrified of it because I would definitely break something. But (laughs) I just think it'd be so sick to just, like, longboard around town. Hey,
0: bro, you want to go hit the longboard slopes or whatever they say? I don't even know what they say. (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs)
1: Um, I, yeah.
0: Here's what you need to do. You need... To make your boys learn how to do it mm-hmm. and then take photos of them. So, like, you don't have to worry about breaking anything.
1: Oh, man. Where's the fun in that?
0: <laughs> I want to see Eric just, like, go headfirst down a hill on a longboard.
1: Let me tell you, we went roller skating last week. Mm-hmm. That was hard. Oh, yeah. And I haven't been since I was seven or eight. And I'll tell you the ground is a lot further down. <laughs> and I weigh a lot more, so I get there a lot quicker. And... And
0: we're not as bendy as we used to be. I know.
1: And Gabe would fall and he would just get right back up. You know, he's seven. He's like super resilient. And then I fall and I'm like, okay, I'm dead forever. Like I'm never getting up. So yeah. yeah.
0: Last couple of summers ago, wasn't last summer, it was two summers ago. We went tubing, not like wakeboarding, Mm. not like, like water skiing, anything challenging. Just sit in the tube. I separated three ribs. And I'm like, okay, this is a sign that I'm old and I'm supposed to slow down and not do anything anymore. And then I went and cliff jumped with broken ribs or separated oh ribs. Gosh. So I think yeah. I would like to try cliff I'm not jumping not too. Oh, we got some places we can take you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If you could only listen to Justin Bieber or Nicki Minaj for the rest of your life, which one would it be?
1: morally justin bieber <laughs> but hype wise probably Nicki minaj you need a little like hype music <laughs> yeah nikki okay. yeah
0: i like it uh what's a book everyone should read harry potter oh yeah uh who would you want to back you up in a bar fight
1: eric my husband <laughs> <laughs> he's a big dude i feel like he could like he's never been in a fight but i feel like he could like kick some ass <laughs> But I feel like I could too. Like, <laughs>
0: uh, so for some context, Eric and I actually work together, and I'm just laughing because, like, whenever I stand next to him, I look and I'm like, "Dang it, I need to go work out or something." He's a he's a big guy.
1: Oh my gosh, he's gonna like be so happy <laughs> when he hears this.
0: Oh, just, just stroke his ego a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, all right, uh, DC comics or Marvel comics?
1: Um, it's hard cause DC has Batman, mm-hmm. but then Marvel has everything else. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: actually that's the way I look at it too. It's like Batman, the Marvel universe. And there's like nothing else over here <laughs> in the DC universe other than Batman. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see if you could have one thing be free forever. What would it be?
1: College education.
0: Uh, would you rather be stuck in Jumanji or Jurassic park? yeah neither one of those is super appealing
1: jumanji mm, jurassic park okay so that's a little bit more predictable right (laughs) like Like, yeah i mean if i was in jurassic park and i got eaten by a dinosaur i'd be like yeah i knew this was gonna happen but then like in jumanji there's like monsoons like
0: and cake your weakness could be cake
1: yeah like yeah
0: yeah. (laughs) uh speaking of cake pancakes or waffles
1: uh, pancakes
0: mm, Okay What's the most played song on your phone right now Can I look Yeah
1: How do I check that on my Spotify
0: I have no do idea Do you know I don't know I'm just <sighs> You can you can just guesstimate um, It's okay Cause mine changes all the time
1: Probably Something By the Lumineers It might be mm. like Cleopatra
0: Oh uh, I love that one. Yeah. Mine right now is Roxanne by Arizona Zervas. Service. Mm -hmm. Z-E-R-V-A-S. It's a a good one.
1: Uh, I haven't heard of them.
0: Yeah. Check them out. Uh, Would you rather watch a TV show or a movie?
1: I can go pretty hardcore in some binge TV (laughs) shows. Yeah. Okay. I think that maybe. Cat or dog cat
0: morning person or night owl oh
1: night owl for sure
0: mcdonald's or wendy's wendy's and you have a favorite flavor of pop tart
1: i really like the cherry flavored
0: oh that's a good one yeah uh who's one person we should all follow on instagram besides yourself
1: There's a dog Instagram. That's the most beautiful Instagram I've ever seen in my life.
0: I, okay, I am open to being convinced, but you have to convince me.
1: Oh my gosh. Who is it? (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to be so sad if I can't remember it. And I don't think I can. You might have to ask me again. I don't know
0: you get one shot at these questions I know I know
1: <laughs> oh I don't know how to find him I'm so sad yeah I can't I can't remember his name for the because li- it's not like a dog name it's like gotcha.
0: a. it's like Marvin yeah the corgi uh, yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay uh, what is something you value in other people
1: I want to say honesty mm. but like gentle honesty uh, so, not like I'm gonna tell you what I think, like I love you, so I'm gonna tell you what I think,
0: absolutely. What's your definition of happiness?
1: A balanced life with time for rest and inspiration um with people who love you and who you love and can enjoy laughing with and spending time with.
0: I love that That's beautiful, thank you. <laughs> Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You've been awesome company to have this fun conversation with. I will definitely link to all your stuff in the show notes, but if people want to connect with you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Um, so Emily, Irene photo is my business, um, page, but I'm a little bit more active on my personal page. So Emmy pie cake is that emmy pie cake yeah um or on facebook Emily Irene photo and then through my website as well emilyirenephoto.com
0: cool and like i said we'll make sure that everybody can find those down below in the show notes again thank you so much like i i can't thank you enough for being real and vulnerable and honest and i just appreciate so much having you on um it really means a lot
1: thank you thank you
0: any final thoughts you want to leave with us?
1: Um, I, I mean, I would just drive home, like take those photos, like mm, just yeah. pull out your camera and uh, camera. <laughs> <laughs> My Texan is the, coming out. The Texas is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> pull out your camera, <laughs> take photos of your family doing all of the things, um, at dinner time. And I, I'm just gonna like single out the men for a second, like especially dads, um, husbands, take pictures of your wife mm. with the kids. Um, it's something that like I've had to ask for, but um, take take pictures of your your wife and your kids together because that's important. I feel like as moms we're really good about taking a lot of pictures and I'm sure a lot of dads do too. But in general, I think moms are really good about taking a lot of pictures and um, it's important that we're in the photos too. So take pictures, let people take pictures of you and um, just yeah. Yeah. Like record those memories.
0: I like it. My final question for you before I let you go is what does it mean to you to live an authentic life?
1: I think that that's a lifelong journey. I think that it changes, but I think that constantly checking in with yourself, peeling back layers to figure out what matters to you and then carving out time and space for the things that matter um, and giving yourself permission whenever it's time for the things that matter to change to make those changes.
0: I love it. Thank you again for being here. To everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to this message from myself and Emily. I love you guys. Thanks for keeping me company.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Hey friends, me again. Just a quick reminder that if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you prefer. See ya.